Museums and exhibits, gadgets and tunes. You are now tuned in to the Disney Holic Show. Hello and welcome to the Disney Holic Show. That's Mike TV. And that's Jen Diz. Today we take a trip to Philly to visit the Disney 100 The Exhibition, then head to Disneyland to smell that fresh paint while diving into the history of Mickey's Toontown. Holy moly, I can't believe you were in Philadelphia, not just a stone's throw away from me, but we weren't able to figure that out because you were yeah, only Mike. there for a short time. Thanks for coming to see me. <laughs> it is quite the hassle to, to go from Brooklyn to Philly, but I can't wait to hear all about the Disney 100. But I wanted to first remind everyone who's listening, especially for our lovely patrons, that this month is, or coming up is patreon takeover month and there's still time for everyone to submit their topics so please submit topics we have some really good ones coming in everything from parades to some tv series binging Uh, so let us know what you want to hear on upcoming episodes of the podcast yes and the what's the best way to submit to us either go into your patreon account and there's a form uh, in the messages there that you can go ahead and submit your topics there or just message us on Instagram or however we normally talk and we will add it to the list. Woot woot. Sweet. So yes, Philly. I was just in Philly for work and at the time of going to Philadelphia, like, all right, what do we got here? We got American history, got the Liberty Bell, we got some Philly cheesesteaks, like what's going on over here? Oh yeah, they have the Disney 100 exhibit going on in Philadelphia right now, which as far as I know is only going to be in Philadelphia. When they said touring, I think it meant throughout the like world. So like oh. this is the United States portion of it. So now I was like, all right, I need to get to Philadelphia. And then just so happens I had a work event pop up in Philadelphia. Convenient? I didn't plan it truthfully. <laughs> Very convenient. So, Honestly. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I wanted to go ahead and take some time to tell you guys about the exhibit. And I would love to hear from you guys if you think it's worth attending, if you are planning on going, all that fun stuff. So let us know. Wait, I need to hear what you thought of that giant Philly cheesesteak that you got. (laughs) Oh, let me tell you, this is another tip. So if you do go to this exhibit, look up Philly cheesesteaks. If that's your jam. Um which it is my jam. I love Philly cheesesteaks, but I've never had a real one in Philly and or with like cheese whiz. Like, I guess that's the actual way you're supposed to have the a Philly cheesesteak. fixins, right? Yep. yep. So um, my Uber driver actually filled me in, gave me the scoop on the best Philly cheesesteaks. And it's this place called Ish Kabibbles, which also sold me because it's just a very weird name. And I'm like, yeah. dude, gotta, gotta go to this place. Like what's happening? Ishka Bibbles, and it's on South Street, which is a very cool little area also. So it's a fun uh, shopping and, like, kind of... It feels like Hate Street in Philadelphia, like that kind of vibe there. Um, Lots of cool stuff to do. And it was amazing. It was, like, it could have fed me for probably a week. It was (laughs) ginormous. (laughs) It was huge, Um, but so good. And then 
at the airport. I had a second Philly cheesesteak on my way home because why not? You gotta have one more if you can. You know, when in Rome, when in Philly, whatever, right? <laughs> um, and I tried Gino's, which is the one my Uber driver told me to stay away from because he said it's commercial. Don't fall for it. It was nasty. Really? So don't, don't do Gino's. Oh, it was boring. Wow. It was like thicker steak, yeah. which is just kind of a steak sandwich, if you ask me. Philly cheesesteak is usually like thinly sliced, you yeah. know? Um, and it just was pretty bland. Huh. In all honesty, I was very impressed with the ish kebibbles. So, and it was spicy. Get those spicy peppers. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, so good. Yes, I sent Mike a photo with no context. <laughs> just like here's my now. Did my you do that <laughs> before, during, or after your visit to the exhibit? This was before. So, the I did the conference that I went that, out there for, and then I was pick. I picked a flight for the next afternoon because I don't want to fly red eye because that's not fun, right? Um, so I picked a, an afternoon flight the next day, so I had the morning to go. But what I did that night before was I did a ghost tour, like an adult ghost tour. So it was super funny. We had like this adorable, tiny little 80-year-old woman telling naughty jokes <laughs> about the history of America. <laughs> oh, adult great. like that. Okay, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> she supposedly, the ghost side of it is that she had lived another life and she was a madame of a bordello in uh, oh. downtown Philadelphia in the olden days when we had wow. all the people signing the Declaration of Independence and then there was a whorehouse right across the street, as she said. Perfect. America. <laughs> America. <laughs> yes, it was very fun. Um, and that's the night that I went out for that, that cheesesteak. But yeah. So the next morning, I got up bright and early and headed to the museum at opening so I could try to get there, A, with enough time to catch my flight, but B... Trying to get there before it gets like a little too busy. So you so rope dropped right it opening, in a way. I what? You kind of rope dropped a little bit. I rope dropped. <laughs> however, rope drop there was ten a.m. Oh, that's not too bad. Or nine thirty. Nine thirty. So <laughs> a little more doable. <laughs> it's a Gen style rope drop. Um, so yeah, so I got there, and the museum itself, I have to say, is the Franklin Institute. It looks really cool. I, I always love a good like planetarium. It has that. Mm. Had all these really cool exhibits that were very like hands-on, but not like too kitty like. They were they're definitely for, you know, field trips were very popular there and whatnot. But it was it was just done really well. Everything was like very nice in that museum. So um I'll go over a little bit later, but I would even suggest maybe making some more time to just check out the museum and not just the exhibit if you're going, because it looked really, really nice. I didn't have time for it, but I had one thing on my mind, and that was Disney, so (laughs) I had to get there and conquer it. So I went into this exhibit, and you're walking up these, like, uh, actually, I'm sorry, before I jump into my experience, let me tell you what it says on the website about what this exhibit is. So it says, created for the 100-year celebration of the Walt Disney Company, the world premiere exhibition will immerse guests in the beloved stories that have been dazzling fans since 1923. The Walt Disney Archives is opening its vault of treasures, showcasing more than 250 of its crown jewels, Rarely seen artworks and artifacts, costumes and props, and other memorabilia. Exclusively for this exhibition, Disney has curated special behind-the-scenes glimpses into the creation of the company's most popular characters, films, shows, and attractions from Disneyland to Walt Disney World and beyond. 
plus 10 magnificent and imaginatively themed galleries, all featuring movie stories, unique interactive installations, and exciting background information that will take visitors on a journey through the 100 years of the Walt Disney Company, celebrating classics from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves to Strange World, as well as the latest members of the Disney family, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel, and National Geographic. Wow. So, yeah. So, a big exhibit really just diving into the whole thing. Like, a whole hundred years of It seems like covers Disney all of it. Yeah, they even exhibit. threw Strange World in there. I'm like, okay, we're, right? we're still <laughs> yeah. trying to make that happen. <laughs> they are making it happen. I'm trying. They're trying. They're trying. Um, so, like I was saying, the exhibit itself, I just want to say, is beautiful. Like, it's top of the line museum exhibit they didn't hold back at all like it is gorgeous in there like it's just the right amount of artifacts and hands-on activities you can do and things you can look at and visually see and hear and audio components all of the things that make a museum a good experience there's all of that in this exhibit wow um it's super engaging also. Like, I feel like there wasn't a moment that I wasn't fully engaged or, like, smiling. Like, it was just, like, there's no corner where it's, like, oh, I'm kind of bored. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, and I, that's cool. I'm not a big museum person. So, like, Same. I'll get bored in yeah. museums. But I wasn't in this one. So that's a good sign, right? I think that's, that's really a good sale good. already. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so when I was walking up, the, to the exhibit, there's it's all white walls and a white walkway. And it's kind of this ramp. You're going up and you're seeing like some banners like showing you what you're going to see in the exhibit. And then you turn the corner and all of a sudden the light like dims out like as you're progressing into it. It gets to one of those very dimly lit galleries because the colors and experience of Disney is so visual that it's like, we don't need bright white walls in this museum. We want it to be dark and like things to be lit up. Ooh. It was very cool. And as soon as you walk in, there's these screens on the side of the walls that have like this pixie dust swirling. So wow. you like feel like you're getting like swept into like the Disney magic. Ooh. <laughs> Truthfully, it was really cool. <laughs> Um, and this is where I came in contact with Walt himself. <gasps> oh, shoot. I forgot about the hologram. Oh, my God. You got to see yep. it in person. So, I don't think it's a hologram. Or whatever it is, yeah. It's a video. I also oh. thought it was going to be a hologram. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it was flat, so it was a screen. Um, Mickey introduces him, and he's like, my friend Walt. <laughs> he, like, hands it off to Walt. It's this very interesting, if you haven't already seen it online, it's been traveling around a lot. But it's this little video clip of Walt talking to you about the exhibit. So, it's like modern talk about... It's not like pulled from his old television special or something, but it looks just like it would be. He's talking about things that are involved that he wasn't around oh, for. So that makes that sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So, the, so that part tech, of it was like AI or whatever. Yeah. The like, tech was that stuff, not a hologram, right? It was exactly how they yeah. got him to speak. Yes. It was like a deep fake Walt Disney or yes, whatever. Yes. There you go. That makes sense. And the people have been giving this, this thing a lot of shit. Like everyone's like, it looks terrible or whatever i thought it looked good i don't know i don't know maybe i was just fooled because i was in the magic i think it looked fine like it was cool i mean if anybody knows disney they're gonna know it's fake because of what he's talking about but um it just it looked really good and i don't know i liked it so it was just like a 
a minute of him talking and then you move on. So that was just like the kickoff to the gallery, the first gallery at least. Uh, yeah, so you go by Walt, you meet Walt, you say, hey, what's up? Let's check this museum out. And then they have these intros to each portion of the galleries that like just is so true to like the design of Disney parks, like attraction posters. And they're all animated, so they're kind of, like, moving or things are happening in the attraction photos or posters, and they're, like, you know, screen. But it just looks really cool. Like, I loved all the artwork for this museum. I want They sold the, the posters at the end. I wanted to buy them all. Oh, they're my gosh. So cool they probably looking. had good merch. Yes, they had Ooh. very good merch. Um, so, yeah, so you're walking through. You're seeing this cool artwork that's unique to this exhibit. And then, of course, you're seeing a ton of artwork from the Disney company. Um, so let's see the, it starts off with the history and the beginning steps of Disney, right? So it starts off with Laughogram Studios, which was Walt's first little venture. And they even had some cool artifacts in this section, including a megaphone that was printed with Laughogram around it. And it looked, it looked ancient, like the actual (laughs) megaphone just like looked super cool and old. And it was in this like glass case. It was just like cool to see that right in front of you. Um, and then they talked there about like the Alice comedies and how that all got started. They talked about Oswald and then they moved into the invention of Mickey and Minnie Mouse and they had like original artwork on the wall. And then they also had like this perfect mix of media where they would have like the artifacts, like I was saying, like the megaphone. And then they have the ephemera of like the original sketches of Oswald and Mickey Mouse on the walls. And then they'd also have like a movie screen showing, some of the old cartoons of Mickey and Minnie in it um, and all the other things that they were displaying in the room. So it's just like a really well done museum. Nice. Yeah. Um, so let's see what else we, or I, I was by myself. Who was I'm saying we? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was a solo writer at this museum. Um, so yeah, so it, like I said, it moves straight into the invention of Mickey and Minnie Mouse. And then you get to like, go through all the other galleries, but I'm just going to tell you about some of my favorite ones. First of all, there's one, I, I missed the name of this gallery, but it looked very Adventureland. Ooh. It also gave me like super hardcore escape room vibes. Like you walk into the room, it looks like you're underwater and there's these giant uh, treasure chests on the ground and you have to like solve these puzzles where you twist things and like move things around um, and then it'll, it will reveal like a reveal a, an artifact for you to look at. So, like, oh. One of them was like a prop from Captain Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, but you had to do a game to get that. Like you have to solve a puzzle to be able to even see it. That's fun. Um, so that was super cool. It fit the adventure theme so well. They had costumes in there. They also had a full uh, model of the Nautilus from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, oh, which was wow. just like soup. It was big and it was very cool to see in real life. Um, what else did they have in there? They had this giant digital porthole on the wall. It's like the one that's in the center of the Nautilus. I think it's supposed to be a porthole or an entrance or something. It's the one that spins open. I don't know how to explain oh, what that thing um, is. a door. <laughs> Maybe I, I, I know what like you mean. It's the, the thing in, in movies where they have to, when the water's flowing in, they have to shut it and then turn the knob. Is it 
the seal? Yeah. yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is called. But they had a, it, it was on the wall, like a physical one, but then the screen was built into it. So when it, you come over and there's like all these handles that you have to like move certain ways to get the porthole to open. And then you see a screen and they show you different clips from different adventure films in oh, Disney history. Oh, that's cute. It was just like really nice. Like everything was like super fancy, like top of the line, really cool looking. Um, then there was another gallery called The Magic of Sound and Music. This is probably my favorite music or section and it's because there's a section of this that i've never seen before a lot of this if you guys go to a lot of exhibits and museums and auctions and all the stuff where you see this old stuff from disney you may have seen similar things before in the past so there's a lot of repetitive things for me but i'm pretty sure i hadn't seen a lot of this stuff in here so this gallery you walk in and one entire wall is red curtains, like a movie theater, just hanging. And they're, like, lit up, right? Remember I told you it's, like, very dark in there, but they're lit up and it's, like, bright red. And there's this movie screen in the middle. And they're showing different clips of throughout all the 100 years of Disney and playing the soundtracks along with them, like, showing off, like, how extensive the music library is of Disney, right? right. So it's really highlighting, like, some of the biggest music moments in Disney history. Which is always cool. And then in front of it, kind of like more on our level, they had a bunch of cases with original um, song sheets. Oh. Like some were just like hand drawn out because they're so old school, like Snow White ones. Oh, wow. Um, all the way through. Any Sherman Brothers stuff in there? Yes, absolutely. Wow. There's some Mary Poppins stuff. I remember that for sure. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. Um, and then... That part was cool enough, but the second half of this is what I really loved. And it was this whole exhibit where you pick up the little headphone thing and listen to, like, watch the video with it. And they were showing these creations that they made to make sound effects. So, like, they oh. weren't necessarily something they've used before. For instance, one was um, the hooves of, what's the horse's name in Sleeping Beauty? Does that horse have a name? Aristotle. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Stop it. <laughs> I don't know the name. I feel like it does, and we did this on one of our episodes. We had a horse-themed <laughs> episode. <laughs> Prince Philip horse. I don't know. But the guy was showing us in the video that it was coconuts, right? And it was this older video with this sound designer from Disney from back in the day. And he was showing that he used the coconuts, and then they played along with the video so you can see it come to life. And there was oh. a bunch of these stations so that one's like kind of basic. We've heard of that before, right? But I love that like, stuff. Like the Foley artists who I love it replicate so much. Yeah. Yes. And they had a bunch of these actual instruments that they built like on display there too. So you can see a video of them telling you about it and then showing how it works with the with the video over it or the movie over it. And then it's right there in front of you to like see this weird thing that has like a tube coming out of it that they blow through and it shakes like i don't know it's just like super weird wow. originally created things that make different sound effects from these different films so it was really fun to see all that stuff i'd never seen that before that was very that's fun. like a lot of senses you're getting to use your sound and eyes and absolutely yeah. absolutely um, the next room also was another one of my favorites. This should be no surprise to anyone, but it was the Interventions room. Uh, lots of animatronic uh, things in this room. So we saw 
they actually had the French bird in a cage. If anybody knows the story of Walt, when he was in France, he bought this small cage that had a bird in it that was like of animatronic properties, but he took that as an example. Like he wanted to build animatronic creations and that was like his inspiration. So that, I don't know if it was the one, probably not, but, um, we'll say it is, you know, for fun. Yeah. Let's just say, (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that too. A lot of the things in this exhibit were also reproductions, but it's very clearly like listed as like, this is a reproduction. So Sometimes they can't have all of the originals, so they have to do reproduction to show it off. Um, but yeah, so that birdcage was there, which is cool to see. Uh, they had an Abraham Lincoln head where you got to, it was nice. like the skin peeled off, so you could see all the, the workings of his, of his quote unquote brain, like his animatronic brain. Um, they had a huge animatronic panel board where it showed kind of like a stick figure and like all the buttons they press, and you could just like read all of them. It was like huge. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. Um, they had the Dancing Man stuff there, if anybody knows what that is. What's Dancing Man? Dancing Man is like the first version of... This is what I remember, at least. Everyone out there is probably screaming at me if I'm incorrect. But I remember it's the first thing that they worked on for animatronics. Am I right? Oh, People animatronics. Okay. Right. Yeah. So it was like... They never had it like in the park or anything, but it was a project they were working on called the Dancing Man. Um, and then they had the actual Pixar computer there. That's I don't know why cool. I freaked out about that, but it was that just is like, really cool. Yeah. Holy hell, this is like a <laughs> Pixar computer. Super cool. So that room was really interesting. And they called it Innovention, so they used that word. Yep. Oh, I love yep. that. That's nice. Isn't that cool? Um, and then, of course, there was an entire section for the parks. So they had a lot of ride vehicles in there and, like, cool backdrops. So you could take fun photos. Oh. You could, like, get in them. But, like, just the pictures of them alone, were, how it lit up was really cool. They had the Matterhorn bobsled, and you could hear the freaking audio of the Ma- the Matterhorn. I just wanted to stand there forever. Oh, like, that's so cool. cool. <laughs> um, they also had some of the characters you might see on attractions on display. Like, they had the... One of the devils from Mr. Toad's in there, oh. and one of the one of the dolls from It's a Small World, etc. Oh, they had the Animobile. They had one of those in there. Oh wow, so, pretty cool stuff. And then they had a lot of documentation on the walls about um, the history of the opening of of Disney of Disneyland and the other parks, and like maybe some of the sales pitches they had to do in order to sell the idea of Disneyland on top of like opening day information that's cool like the business side of it and how it all came together right right um then they also had a section called the wonderful world of disney and this was really diving into media so like getting out of the parks and movies and going into like tv and ads and stuff like that and they had a whole little section for winnie the pooh (laughs) for president that's crazy and that's so obscure and we were ahead of the times we did an episode on that Years ago, I want to say at this point. I love it. I was so excited when I saw that. I was like, are wow. you serious? What did they like, have? What? They just had a little hat, like one of the hats on <laughs> like display. The patriotic that, ones, yeah. Yeah, it's like a straw hat kind of thing. And it has the, the band. It says Winnie the Pooh for president. And then they had pictures of it and describing what that was, like what was that campaign and stuff like that. Wow. So, I'm surprised they chose that to highlight because it was I such know, a weird it one. It had a decent size area of the wall. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> a 
very cool. I was like, maybe it's bigger than I knew it was. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so like like I said earlier, there was eleven exhibits altogether. Was it eleven or ten? I'm tripping. Ten. <laughs> Just kidding. Ten exhibits. It felt like eleven. Um, they're all really cool. Like the whole time. I think the only part that I kind of sped through was like Marvel and Star Wars part because I feel like I've seen that a lot and there's not. Like, I don't need to learn more about that. It's not right. as old. And it's new. Sometimes yeah, it's not, it yeah, too new. It's not as yeah. fun to look at, right? And you've lived but, through um, it. Yep. Right, yeah. Yep. So other than that, I sat around for as much as I possibly could with the time I had. Um, so tell you a little bit more about, like, if you want to visit this. Of course, it's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, at the Franklin Institute. It's right there in downtown Philadelphia, too. It's, like, right near everything, which is really nice. Um, you could, like... Take that tour I told you about and go see the Liberty Bell and where they signed the Declaration of Independence and have a dirty little lady taking <laughs> on the tour and then go to the Franklin Institute. So whole well, lot of stuff. There the question that's been going day. through my mind the whole time you've been describing this, I want to know how would you how does this exhibit compare to the Walt Disney Family Museum? Good question. So the in, Walt Disney for people Family who don't Museum. Know, what is that? That's Presidio, San Francisco. That is in the Presidio in San Francisco. The idea behind that museum was that, um, uh, not Lillian, Diane Disney, his daughter, opened this museum in order to kind of humanize Walt. Like, Walt Disney had become a brand. Lots of people don't know anything about Walt Disney. And they really brought, like, not only his history of, like, what he did, his accomplishments, but also, like, him. Like, there's a lot of home videos and a lot of um, history of, like, his birth and when he was in the war and all sorts of stuff so that one is like hyper focused on walt versus the company that this one was like but they're both amazing like as far as quality i of course will always have a soft spot for the walt disney family museum because it's so sweet like i feel like the whole point of it is just so amazing right yeah. like it's, it's very intimate focused. like you walk in and even just like yeah. hearing the creaky wood floors like it feels like a nice little place yeah, yeah. yep the one thing I did like about this museum more in, in Philadelphia was that it was the lighting. I just love controlled lighting. It was There's a lot of bright areas in the Walt Disney Family Museum and a lot of white walls. I really don't like it right. for white walls in general. Um, but, yeah, like everything was dark and then controlled light lighting. Like you would really like this is like where they know want where you to, to look. look and, yeah. Yep. Wow, that's um, cool. Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention there was a lot of really cool, I don't even know how to explain it, but like things as you walk throughout, like there's these giant prism things coming out of the ground that like change color. And like I said, it's so dark in there. They're just like these beautiful rainbow of colors like coming out of them. And it was just cool. I don't even know how to explain (laughs) that, but that happened every so often throughout. There was just like this cool effect going on that was just like extra. It wasn't anything that was like Disney 100 related. It was just part of the exhibit to make it look really nice. So, wow. so I'd say they're both really special for different reasons, um, but par- probably quality wise, equally balanced. All right. Yeah. All right. And yeah. now at least the Walt Disney one in San Francisco is permanent. So people yes. can go to that, but this one you want to go before it disappears. Yes. Which I don't have that date, so they don't say yet when it's leaving. We just know that most exhibits come and go. It's definitely not a permanent installation, but I don't think they're saying yet when it's leaving. Mm. Um, 
I would recommend giving yourself at least two hours. I was there for about an hour and a half. And like I said, I breezed through a lot. Like I took um, pictures of some things that were like a lot of writing and I didn't have time to read all of it. Like I didn't want to just stand there and read. So I took pictures of it to read later because oh, I knew I had to like get back and catch a plane. Right. So <laughs> it's like, all right, I only have a limited amount of time. I'm going to do what I can while I'm here. Um, but with that said, like two hours, maybe even up to three, like it really, if you take your time and go through that, I would say probably three hours. And that's just the exhibit. You had mentioned there's the full museum too, right? Exactly. Yep. So speaking of, there are two ticket types. Um, one is daytime admission, and that gives you admission to the exhibit as well as the rest of the museum. And that's a $45 ticket. Um, and like I said, looks really cool. Definitely should explore it if you have the time. Um, and then they also have a second ticket type, which is in the evening. That is only $25. And um, this is admission to the exhibit only. Oh, okay. So sometimes, like, for instance, I when I first got there, it was very nice. And then all of a sudden, it was, like, overrun by field trips. Oh. So it's just, like, kids everywhere. So, you like, a weekday, I went on a Thursday afternoon, right? So you could get hit by a lot of field trips or a lot of school outings or whatever you want to call it, um, which I definitely did. So it got a little crowded and sometimes a little annoying. <laughs> but um, the nighttime ones also have, you know, could get crowded, but at least most of the time is usually mostly adults. So oh, okay. if that's more your vibe and you just want to do the exhibit, I would say go in the evenings for sure. But yeah, very cool. Um Let's see what else. I think I think that might be it. It was very fun. I'm very happy I was able to go. Um, I would definitely go back if I didn't have to go all the way to Philadelphia to go. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it seems good. It seems like everything that they wanted it to be. Like would you say they delivered based on the hype from the expo and what the Disney one hundred celebration is supposed to look totally. like? Totally. Like I think nice. it was it was better than I was ready for. Honestly. Wow. Okay. That's always yeah. good. Wow. The look and feel of that place was just so engaging. Like it was, I don't know. Like I felt like I was, it, it was very Disney. And of course it is created by Disney. It's not like this museum created this exhibit, right? It was curated, True. I'm sure with a huge team from Disney directly. It, so it felt that way. Like it really felt like Disney quality, like something you'd expect to experience at the parks, which is always cool. Like when you can get a moment of that Disney vibe, outside of disney parks yeah. it's just kind of hard to find sometimes yeah. so that's another way to do it if you're in philadelphia fun well i'm glad you went on our behalf so that i could hear about it and the listeners could hear about it um yes. other fun things were happening over the last couple of weeks so toontown or the reimagined toontown back over at disneyland reopened on march 19th yes it did um i we're both going to be there in like a month after it opens. Yeah. So we'll be able to check it out soon enough and tell you guys all about the vibe and feel of it. But before we get to how it looks today, let's take a look back at the history of Mickey's Toontown. And while we're doing this, I'm also going to quiz Mike. So just prepare yourself. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't talk about something current without addressing its predecessor, right? Is if there was one. Yeah. So let's travel back to Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom because that's basically where it all started. 
1988, Magic Kingdom had received their very first expansion in 20 years, and that was called Mickey's Birthday Land. I always this? thought that was the weirdest thing. I only know it from like these history and yesterland stuff. And I always <laughs> thought it was weird and so specific. So crazy. So the idea of why they open it was uh, one of the ideas that they opened Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. They realized that they don't have anything in the parks for Mickey mm. or Minnie. So here's Mickey's birthday land. Um, and that was in Magic Kingdom where the Fantasyland extension currently is. Mm. So it kind of paved over it and put the extra Fantasyland extension right on top of it. And it's called Mickey's, Mickey's Birthday Land, so they opened it for Mickey's 60th birthday. So it was part of a celebration, oh, too. okay. Yep. And was it meant to be permanent? Do we know? Yeah, I think that, yeah, it was meant to be permanent as much as it could. It, it was there for a while, so. How do you think yeah. the fans would react, like, if they announced something like that today? <laughs> They're like, we're opening Mickey's Birthday Land. I mean, they made a big old thing for Mickey's 90th birthday. True. Remember how big it was? It was in Target. It was like everywhere you look, there's another thing about Mickey's 90th. Right. So just wait, his 100th. If like it's a big milestone, 60th is kind of weird. If it's his 50th birthday, maybe. Yeah. Oh, for his 100th <laughs> birthday, what if they do announce? I could a... see them pulling <laughs> that off for sure. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> Um, so the premise behind this land was actually that Minnie Mouse is throwing him a surprise birthday party and everyone in the Magic Kingdom is invited. Yay! Very cute. Um, and they created an entire new stop on the train for this. And it was called what? Mickey's Birthday Land Station. What? No, I didn't even know all these details. Wow. This was actually supposed to be the way. This is like the suggested way to enter in to Mickey's birthday land because on your way there from whatever the station was before they have all these billboards like get ready for Mickey's surprise party and all this stuff like birthday supplies props out like on the sides of the train and you're getting like ramped up for this big birthday celebration (laughs) pretty cute but I never knew that part of it either um and there's a theme song that was playing for Mickey's birthday and can you Guess the theme song. It wasn't a theme. It was a song, a real song that already existed or. It's a song that we know, but it was a Disney created song for this land. Really? Um, I have no, no idea. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, happy oh. birthday to you. Do you not remember that one? I don't know that. What is that? <gasps> what? That's the only birthday song I ever think of, except for the generic "Happy Birthday." Song. Oh, I think and of I the never ones knew. from um, because I was a server at Tony Roma's and hung out with a lot of TJ Friday <laughs> servers. I know all those ones, like, uh, like this is your birthday song. It isn't very long, and they just walk away. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best one because it's the shortest. They still do those. I love it. <laughs> Um, I almost said the other birthday song I know is Chuck E. Cheese, but I just left it out. But yes. Oh, you used <laughs> my to have job to perform too. that. Hilarious. No, not going to happen. Um, but yes, that song I was like always part of my life, that happy birthday song. And I did not know it came from this land, not even just like a general Disney birthday version wow, song. It came because crazy. of this land, which is pretty cool. Um, another thing that happened as soon as you enter Mickey's birthday land is you see a sign saying, welcome to Duckburg. 
It was the city that Mickey's birthday land was in, and it was strictly to promote the new DuckTales show. Oh, wow. So it was around that time, Disney Afternoon Mm -hmm. and all that? Neat. So they're already combining up, doing promotions along with Mickey's birthday. (laughs) Um, So in this land, they had Mickey's house with a screening room, very similar to what we had before in our Mickey's Toontown in in Disneyland. Um, they also had Mickey's Hollywood Theater, which was a separate meet and greet area with Mickey, and a stage show called Mickey's Birthday Land Live with an additional post show. Oh. So they had a whole bunch of stuff going on over there for um, Mickey's birthday party. Um, let's see what else. The land also had facades of like shops and houses that were supposed to look like the characters live there. Sound familiar? Oh. But they were very much like just a facade. It wasn't yeah. like their own buildings or anything yet. Um, They had a petting zoo there. That's random. (laughs) That is very random. A playground. We had that too. And a garden maze with water fountains that would like shoot up out of the bushes. Oh. Oh, wow. I never knew we had a garden maze like stateside. I always see that in the other parks for some reason. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Paris, they had one in Paris. Shanghai. I remember thinking it was part. I thought it was the line to get into the Alice in Wonderland ride. And it was (laughs) Just that. It was just an Alice in Wonderland garden maze. (laughs) I like walked out of the end of it like, oh, just kidding. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so they had all this cool stuff to do in there. Again, it was very family focused. Um, And like I said earlier, it was built to say, like people were just complaining that there wasn't enough Mickey in the park. Like, where can we visit Mickey Mouse? I wanted Mickey to have a space in the park. So very cool. Um, it ended up being so popular that they changed things up in 1990 to call it Mickey's Starland with characters, including Uh-oh. not only the Fab Five, so they expanded to the Fab Five, but they also started bringing characters from Disney Afternoon, like DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, and even... Darkwing Duck. anybody else that's missing? Who? Darkwing Duck? Darkwing Duck came later, uh, but the original... Gummy, Gummy Bears. Gummy Bears! Oh my oh, goodness. Stop it. That's cute. They ended up also taking over that Birthday Land live stage I told you about where they do a stage show. Um, And they had a new show called Mickey's Magical TV World. And that one was definitely like all about Disney Afternoon, right? And they had all those people I just mentioned also with Darkwing Duck, Goof Troop, Bonkers, which we mentioned recently, which is so weird you said that. (laughs) Bonkers and Roger Rabbit. Oh, cool. So Roger Rabbit was there too. At Starland. He was. was. Interesting. Yeah. It is very, it sounds all very much like a predecessor of Toontown. Yes. And it's interesting you mentioned like, were they planning on it to stay there for long? Because it opened in 88 and it already converted into this Mickey's Starland in the 90s or like 1990. So it only had two years of it just being Mickey's birthday land. So interesting to think about. Uh, All right. So moving on to Disneyland. So with the success of Mickey's Starland now in Magic Kingdom, uh, Michael Eisner was like, hey, that was cheap. Let's do one in Disneyland, right? (laughs) He was in that vibe of like, let's find something cheap and add it over in Disneyland. Uh, But before I go into that, I also found out a little like cool thing while I was doing this research that I'm pretty sure I've never heard of. And I want to see if you know about this. I just don't think I've heard it. You know, I forget 90% 90% of things I learned, but I just don't think I've heard about this. 
There was a planned expansion. What's wrong with expansion. me today? Expansion. <laughs> expansion. There was a planned expansion of Disneyland in 1999. And it was already in planning stages before Toontown was even going to be a thing. Just, just so weird. It was called Hollywoodland. Yeah. And it's supposed to feel... Oh, you know about this? Yeah. In I, Disneyland it, proper? Yeah, I remember. You know why I know it? <laughs> You're going to laugh at this. Because we did do an episode about it. Stop and I think it. I was assigned the research for the Toontown stuff. And it... The, I don't know if this you're going down the same path, but I remember there was also a whole concept more so based on Roger Rabbit movie yes. coming to life. Like that version <laughs> God, of the tunes. I can't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so it was very focused on Roger Rabbit. So when they decided to... And it was like old Hollywood, which now is like right over in DCA. Yeah. So you can almost like get that vibe over in DCA. Um, but yeah, they like took that concept of Hollywood land and Mickey's Starland and like put it together and mixed it up. And now we have Toontown. I think that works, especially in the Roger Rabbit movie. I mean, Mickey's in it, all the other cartoons, even non-Disney cartoons are in there. Uh, so I, I think that was a good best mix if they had to. Try to mix new IP with old, I guess. Yeah, it was always like I never, you know, when you're young and you're handed something, you kind of don't really think it through until somebody brings it up sometimes or you just randomly have an epiphany. But like, I I remember at some point being like, why is Roger Rabbit in Toontown? Like, why? how do we get those two things? Because especially Roger Rabbit was probably like the most adult Disney film that like thus far. Yeah. But we put it in the like kitty land. It was very weird how that I, ended I remember up though when Roger Rabbit came out because Toontown is what it, it's the land is called in Roger Rabbit where the Toons live. I remember thinking, you know, sometimes you watch a Disney movie or Star Wars or Marvel and you're like, this needs to be a ride or this needs to be a land. I remember right. loving the old Hollywood with where cartoons lived and that whole like, you know, the guys with the hats and the talking it's like so this good. and all that. Yeah. And I thought that would be cool. So I am kind of bummed that they abandoned the, the full on Roger Rabbit version of Toontown. True. Because uh, I think that would have been cool. But I think you're right. We have we have the flavor at over at DCA just minus the tunes. You know, what's funny, too. I'm remembering things now and. I think, like, were they ever supposed to have a Dick Tracy ride in Disney World? Disney World, yep. Oh, they were supposed to do one there too. I remember that for some reason. I remember. I was gonna say, I think I thought this it. was supposed to happen in Disney World in MGM or whatever at the time, but right here, it, it would feel so weird in Disneyland though, right? Like, a, like there a was a time super... I think like Roger Rabbit was just everywhere, so I think people it would have been. I don't know. In my mind, it sounds more. Um, it sounds less random than Mickey's birthday land. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Birthday well, that's kind of weird. Bad. But it seemed cool. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm mad I never got to see it. Wait. So, but how do you feel about like Dick Tracy being in Disneyland? Dick Tracy. Uh, I'm not even a fan of it, of the movie. <laughs> so I don't remember like what I remember in passing. Now we got to look it up. I'm going to be so interested it was something dick tracy at mgm studios that we were saying earlier it was like a show or something but then they didn't go full throttle with it yeah i i don't know what do you know I, the I song vogue by madonna is from that soundtrack no it's, it's not from an album of a movie yeah <laughs> not it's not from an album of hers originally it was for that movie 
Oh um, my god! She had a couple songs in there too. Breathless, I think. And then That's... you remember she was No Face, the the villain in the movie. In Dick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. I forgot that though until you said that right now. Ghost face, but with a blank face. That's so weird. I'm just tripping on that right now. I cannot believe <laughs> that was like one of her biggest hits, and it came from yeah, a soundtrack. So strange. Wow, crazy. Um. So yeah. So that's like a lot of people don't even realize that the whole backdrop of Toontown is supposed to be that Toontown that you go into in Roger Rabbit. So just cool to see it all come together. Um, but Mickey's Toontown officially opened on January 26th of 1993 in Disneyland. And here's the story of Mickey's Toontown. So Toontown was hidden was a hidden Toon suburb that Mickey Mouse moved to in 1930 to keep in touch with his humble Midwestern roots with his friends following soon after. When Walt Disney was looking for a location to build Disneyland, Mickey pointed him towards a large orange grove nearby for him to build his park. After the park opened, Mickey and his friends would travel between their Toontown homes and Disneyland to meet the countless guests that visited the parks, before eventually deciding to open their own hometown to the public, <laughs> digging a tunnel right through the brim, the berm, the berm, the berm. I like how there's an explanation for why it's in the back lot area. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it reminds me so much of the little man of Disneyland story also. Like it's like kind of the same, right? Very cute. Um, so yeah, the land was obviously very similar to the Mickey's birthday land, as I told you guys about earlier, or Mickey's star land, kind of a combo of both. Um, however, they got a lot of upgrades. Like a lot of the characters have their own homes now. Um, it's not just Mickey and Minnie have their own space. Like, they all have their own little houses to do things in. And a lot of stuff in Mickey's Starland, you couldn't touch anything. For instance, you walk through Mickey's house, and there was just ropes. Like, you had to walk through, like, a aisle through the whole thing. You couldn't, oh. like, sit in his chair or lay on his bed or any of that stuff you can do in Mickey's Toontown in Disneyland. So that was an upgrade, too, being able to, like, touch and turn and interact with things within the houses and just get that engagement out of it as well, which is pretty cool. So I have some pop quiz questions for you. Yeah, bring it. And this is a little bit of like history of Toontown and things that may have gone defunct before this refurb. So let's see if you can jog your memory a bit here. So back in Toontown history, when Toontown was in all of its glory, can you name who lived in Toontown? Who lived? Like the list? Yep. Okay. So. Who had a house in Toontown? Oh, had a house. Okay. Or so, a place of residence. Mickey Mouse. Uh-huh. Minnie Mouse. Yep. Donald Duck. Uh-huh. His little boat thing. Um, Chip and Dale had their tree house. Ooh, that was a hard one to remember. Chip and Dale. Okay. Um, this is fresh, more fresh in my mind because of that trip we took last year i think it was last year where we like spent nice amount oh, yeah, of time right. at Toontown. <laughs> and i think that was like the first time i walked through the the chippendale tree and the last time i guess first i know i'm actually time. really glad that we did that same same yeah uh, okay so chippendale and there's one last resident goofy has the bounce house goofy yep 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 darn uh um, like daisy duck didn't have a house no nope, nope. shouldn't know. get a house sorry <laughs> Sorry, well, I guess she could live in the boat did. with Donald. Yeah, she moved in the boat. Um, can you name the attractions? Yes. Gadget's Go Coaster, Roger Rabbit's yeah. Cartoon Spin, 
Jolly Trolley. Boom! One of the best, you know, we love that, uh, what is it called, that kinetic energy that Walt likes to put in the lands that we're not seeing as much of anymore, unfortunately. That is true. I loved the Jolly Trolley, just the look of it. That reminded me of <laughs> Roger Rabbit, like it's a cartoon, it was like bouncing and wobbling, um, but it didn't, it wasn't really for transportation, but you could ride it, right? Yeah, like it, Toontown isn't big enough to need transportation, right. yeah. it was just for fun. <laughs> uh, let's see, well, am I missing any others? Nope. Track you time. got them all. Yeah. So now that we reviewed all of those pieces of Toontown, let's see if you can remember the defunct pieces of Toontown. So this is pre this recent reopening. Like what have we not seen for like a decade in Toontown? What used oh, to be part of the fun? In the original Toontown at Disneyland that went defunct before the reimagining. Yes. Okay. Uh, first of all, the the green hills are defunct because they turned like gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they never painted them. That made me so sad because it seemed like so easy. It looked like foam or something. And it was so yeah. bright green when it first opened. It looked like a cartoon. Right. Um, okay, anyways. So defunct, defunct, defunct. I think that there were, I feel like there was an interactive, one of the people had an interactive house that they ended up closing down. Is it Goofy's? So Goofy had portions of his house shut down. Okay. His you might be thinking about this one because his entire house was a bounce house at right. some point. I heard yeah. you say that earlier. And like even the furniture and everything you could like jump on and bounce on and they had to like get rid of all the bouncy elements because of why? Safety. Uh, Killjoy. Killjoy. <laughs> um and how I about think... the Jolly Trolley? How did that go over time since we oh yeah i remember that i don't know if it disappeared but i think at one point it just became static like a photo op and then yep. i guess now it's gone but it it's, wasn't there yeah, i don't think it's in the new one yeah they had when we went it was two year. cars when it first opened oh so it was wow. two cars long and you remember if anybody's been on the jolly trolley it like wobbles I like love it <laughs> it's like a weird wonky trolley um so it became one car for a while and then they're just like you know what this thing keeps breaking down let's just park it and it just became like a photo op oh they had um i feel like donald duck's boat was closed off after a certain amount of time and now i'm not yep. sure what was covid or was not actually <laughs> this was before covid oh. so he originally had a slide so hold up they had a whole second level that got like sealed off yes yes to let you go climb upstairs and then there was a slide that would come down and or like a spirally staircase and all of that just got shut down i remember that go up on the and it's a trip like when you go back there and then you're like i swear you could have gone in there before and then you start second guessing yourself like maybe not (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um how about chippendale's treehouse oh I don't know what was defunct about that one, actually, because that's like in the far back corner. So the only time that we went is like when we're really doing Toontown, like top to bottom. Right. So this one had also a slide that was also taken out. Uh-huh. So you would go up into Chippendale's treehouse and take a slide down and you would land in a giant ball pit. Do you remember the oh, ball okay. pit? Okay, I remember the ball pit. Yeah, I was picturing I remember that in being Goofy's back there and just house. empty with the this netting yep. forever. <laughs> It was so weird that it just like sat like that. Um, 
that was actually closed down because not only safety concerns, but hygiene concerns. Mm. I mean, you used to work at Chuck E. Cheese, so you know all about that. (laughs) Usually smells like socks, like feet. Roller skate rink. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that part was shut down. I feel like that was one of the ones I remember the most because I... Like, if you climb up in it, they have an obvious hole that's been, like, cemented up that used to be a door to go into the Aww. slide. Um, and then you could see that ball pit, like, very easily. And it was just weird to see any area of Disneyland defunct, like, right in front of your eyes. And that was always available to look at. So it was kind of weird. And then last but not least, I'll just tell you this one because it's hard. But they used to have a playground. They had multiple spaces for playgrounds. And one of the playgrounds... Again, shut down for safety concerns, and they removed it, and then just became a park with benches. Oh, okay. So they kind of are following the same playbook with the re- reimagining. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And turns around, uh, or turns out that um, this one video I watched about it, they were saying it followed the same timeline as Mickey or as uh, McDonald's Playlands. You remember they used to have those all over oh, the place, yeah. and they started shutting down like crazy. Right. It was because of all these. Same OSHA. concerns, new compliance. Yep. <laughs> yep. Wow. Crazy. So, yeah. So, Mickey and Minnie's um, Runaway Railway opened this January. And it was on the 30th anniversary of Mickey's Toontown by, like, a couple days off. Oh, so that worked out I didn't out even realize that. Them. That yeah. was kind of cool. That's cool. I would have been really cool if they were able to just open the whole Toontown back up on its anniversary, right? right. It's kind of a big number. But took a little longer. That's okay. Um yeah, I'm where very is, excited. Where is, there's a pumpkin that you always point out when we walk back there. I can't remember whose yard is it and which Imagineer is on it. It was, I think it's in that playground that just turned into a park of benches. Oh. <laughs> um, but it's Jack Linquist and his pumpkin was over there. It was very cute and I, I don't think it's there. There's no pumpkins anymore, right? I, don't, I didn't see pumpkins. Yeah, not that I've seen videos. in people's pictures and videos. So, I don't know what happened to his little pumpkin. It's going to be on an auction soon. Maybe, Maybe it'll to the pop family. up. That would be very cool. Oh, it could. What if it pops up for Halloween? Like they put it out during <gasps> Halloween time. I'd be so happy. <gasps> very I just thought of it. What if, and they probably already have, they're ahead of us. You know how Cars Land was designed <laughs> to have the overlays Ooh. for holidays? What if the new Toontown is going to have overlays ready to go? <gasps> that would be for the amazing. Seasons. That would. I think that would help add an extra. It needs like a little bit of extra zing. It does. Um, but otherwise, I think it's. I think they did a decent job. You want to talk about the reopening itself? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think um, from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, it sounds like they kept the spirit of what they originally tried to do. So I'm so glad that you went through the history first, because now it all makes sense. Like it's still an area for play, and a place where younger kids can go and don't have height restrictions, and then you get to meet all the characters. So I guess it's still the same ethos. They just made a bunch of changes to it. So the opening was March 19th, and what was cool about it was Disneyland Resort president, Ken Potrock, he hosted a dedication moment, and we always love that. And in this case, uh, guests were nearby, so it wasn't just for private media, which is nice when they do that. And then overall, it seemed like everyone that, at least that I follow on YouTube, Instagram, very positive reactions. It's like nice. It's bright. It's what was promised to us. And I think that's part of why people are happy. If I remember D23 Expo and the whole Toontown reimagining exhibit, they pretty much gave us exactly what they promised. And we don't always Good. get that. 
So right. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. Like Breath it looked, of fresh air. <laughs> yeah. It looked exactly like the model that we saw, like everything that they said they were going to put, they put. Uh, so mostly positive reactions. Um, and then what I could do is walk through some of the new things that are in Toontown since we went through some of the defunct ones. Can talk about some of the new things and curious what your thoughts are on some of these as well. Uh, so one thing that's really cool, and we had talked about this briefly a few episodes ago, but the cast members are loving their costumes and they're saying that it's more like uniforms and they get to mix and match different clothing elements to create a tune themed costume. And they're all very super colorful, which is also nice. Hold on. First of all, less like uniforms, right? Oh, did I say more? Oh, yeah. Yeah. More like outfits less like uniforms there you go that's nice yeah that's a good feeling for cast members but you are hating on these they're called cast costumes and you're like <laughs> i don't like i still don't like the punch <laughs> costumes but i do like the i love a choose your own adventure or like optional create your own like yeah, I, love I love that, that they get to be creative that must be a good feeling to start your day of being able to like be involved somehow other than just showing up to work you yeah. know that's cool and especially i think it sounds like they're leaning into this more because remember when galaxy's edge opened they made a big deal about how the cast members got to choose different outfits as if they were living in black spire outposts and getting their right? outfits from there very very cool uh let's see chippendale's gadget coaster is what the new name is of what formerly was called Gadgets Go Coaster. Gadgets Go Coaster. Okay, so I have some issues with this. Okay, so it's called <laughs> Chippendale's Gadget Coaster. Why why did they change it? And I don't understand why they had to change it because it still has all the Rescue Rangers statues and elements in the ride. So you still pass Gadget and you still pass you know, like Monterey Jack and all that stuff. And then you see Chip and Dale naked. And that's what everybody was saying that I was looking online. They're like, why did they leave them naked? So they're, the Chip and Dale that they added to the front of the attraction is like the Chip and Dale that we know from the old school cartoons and from the old treehouse. But they're not wearing the like Indiana Jones Magnum P.I. Uh, outfits from Chip and Dale's Rescue huh. Rangers. So it's weird because you could see Gadget in them next near them. If they were just by themselves, it'd be okay. So there's that a lot of people weird. making jokes about that. Yeah. Can I also say a, a couple bits about that? Yeah. All this woman empowerment going on Ooh. recently, which needs to happen. And then they just take that away from her. It was. Why? It's so sad. Why? She had her own ride and then they went and yeah, they went and gave it to the stars of the show instead. And it's an yeah, old show. Yeah. And then why couldn't they just call it Rescue Rangers Gadget Go Coaster or something yeah. instead of Chippendale? Like we know that's Chippendale and with throw a little Hawaiian shirt in a Magnum PI outfit and we're, we're all happy. Like what? It, I thought it was a strange decision. I thought it is when I interesting. heard of the new name, I assumed that they took out all the rescue Rangers theming, but nope, they didn't. So it's very confusing. That is very weird. Very and interesting. Even more choice. weird <laughs> is I wonder how many people even know who the rescue Rangers are. So aside from the, the movie oh. that they recently did, I went back and took a look. It was only on Disney for two years, 89 and 90. It wasn't that long at all, but are it's, you serious? it's like a staple, right? Like we know them in those costumes. We know. Did those they only characters. have two seasons? Uh, I want to say three, that... three seasons. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I thought that was like a huge part of my childhood. Yeah. Here's the thing. That's Cartoons crazy. have tons of episodes. 
So season two ah. on its own had 47 episodes. Oh my God. Right. So there was enough content for our eye, I, for our eyeballs as children, for sure, to like make an impression. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought it was strange that they did that. And then some other fun facts that I found out during my Chippendales Rescue Rainer history journey was that Chip and Gadget were voiced by the same woman. What? <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I think we see that a lot on like shows like Simpsons, like Bart, I think. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of was Bart Simpson. And... <laughs> yeah. Wait, uh, so do you know who it was? Uh, yeah, her name is Tress McNeil. And that's, that's as far as I got. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about her as a voice actor. Okay. But yeah, so that, that coaster that. is the same. It's still there. It's just re renamed. And then they added a, a large chip and a large dale that you can see in front of Maybe it. people were like hating the fact that they got rid of their treehouse. So they had to give them a new Yeah. Space, I think that makes but... sense. That makes sense. Just give yeah. them some clothes. It's the only thing I can give think of clothes. any reason to do that. <laughs> Um, okay, Goofy's How to Play Yard. Okay, I love that. I love how they figured out how to still kind of make it fun without having to bring the bouncy house back. Most of all, I love it that we just did a Goofy episode and then I was reading about this and I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> he gets his whole yard all themed to his how-to episodes. So right. it goes very well with the branding very of Goofy cool. and his character. Um, and it's just an area where they encourage kids to play, which is nice. They have Centennial Park. So there's that pun again. Centennial Park in Mickey's Toontown itself. And this has a fountain that I have seen a lot of pictures of. It does look very pretty and cartoony. And it has water play areas. But the thing that I'm most excited about to see in person next month is it has 30 minutes of what they call music program with a special lighting package every night. Oh. So it seems like it's a step above the Rapunzel tower thing that's in fantasy fair okay. but not as probably not as amazing as like a, a castle kiss goodnight or something so right. something in between okay, that's cool it seems really cool yeah so i was wondering why like all the videos i saw it was always roped off but maybe because that part of it isn't done yet or something I oh what's going on with that. yeah i haven't seen this at all on the on people's videos but i've um not really seen much at nighttime now that i think about it yeah. Mostly daytime, yeah. I didn't see it at nighttime either. I just saw that it was roped off. And there's a cast member that had to, like, dance around the whole time all by uh, herself. I was like, oops. that poor girl. She's, she's the show. She's the 30-minute program. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that people will notice right away, the biggest new, I would say, I guess, design feature, to be generous, is the grass. So <laughs> to be generous. <laughs> It's a big grass area, which means we lost the Roger Rabbit fountain. So Roger Rabbit is getting more and more uh, removed from this land. Poor guy. And uh, I don't know. It's a green grass. It looks like AstroTurf. Here's the thing. I've only seen pictures and videos from pictures and videos. It looks very cheap to me. Like, like I've cheap. seen it in person. It looks cheap. Does it? It looks cheap in person. <laughs> like it looks like not even the premium AstroTurf. Like there's even better ones I've seen. It's, it's weird, and it it's so much of it that makes it worse. Ugh. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like I'm picturing like you know like mini golf area. courses and how they have that fake green on mini golf yeah. court, and then it starts to tear. It doesn't maintain well, so Disney has to be on top of it, or else that could start looking real tore up after some point yeah, in time. Yeah, it was 
another interesting choice in Toontown. Yeah. And they're having people park their strollers on it, which Ruined is another already. thing that I was like, what is happening? Stroller City taking over the new Centennial Park fountain, I mean, park grass. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. I do love the concept of the picnic, though. So I, I get where they're going, and I appreciate that. So I like that they tried to create like a big Central Park type of area. And the fact that they sell the picnic baskets and then you can make your own picnic basket and put the different food items in it once you paid for the package and then go sit down on your Mickey picnic blanket. I think that is adorable. Uh, and I just it's love that. It's the only reason I like it at all is because they made a thing out of it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's like, like something I'm like, how many families do? are going to go have a picnic here? Well, now you can. You just buy your picnic kit and then <laughs> right. you're all set up. Like now it makes more sense. It's cute. And then it goes a step further and integrates right with the ride, right? Because that Mickey and Minnie's runway, Runaway Railway is based on a fictional cartoon within the cartoon universe called Mickey and Minnie's Picnic Something. And then you see them at the beginning right. of the ride. Uh, so I like how that all ties together. I appreciate it. And I think one day we should go and get like McDonald's or something. Because <laughs> I don't really want the stuff that they sell there. But I like the the <laughs> picnic basket and the blanket. And then go have a little picnic and see if, if it works. Okay. Like what they tried it to do. Let's see if, it, if it's nice. Okay, so now we are committed to buying mcdonald's <laughs> walking it all the way in <laughs> all the way Disneyland. to the back holding this with everybody looking uh and then having a little picnic Can you and bring i will stuff in like that i think so i've seen it at we disney world more food, often right? than disneyland yeah. like people bringing on like full-on coolers and stuff like that true That's weird. true um now i have a question can you see fireworks from back there because that could be nice for that too but they, I'm not sure how that mm, works out. That's a good question. I don't remember what they said about... There was some talk about if they're going to keep it up because they used to close Toontown for oh, fireworks. Right. They used to close early, remember? Like 7 or something like that? Yeah. Um, but I think they said that was going to change with the new attraction coming in, but I don't know what they're currently doing. Huh, interesting. I remember we did Let's try to ask somebody at. at the expo, yeah, and he didn't seem to really know either. Oh, that's, that's right. We were trying to dig into that. <laughs> we're like, oh, we have all these questions. Operations brain. We want to know what happens. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the grass is there. It is everywhere. I like the picnic concept, though, so I will give them points for that. Um, the background hills that have been replaced are very nice. So earlier I was just making fun of how bad the pretty green ones turned when they're left out in the sun for too long. These ones are really nice. They're colorful. There's more textures and lines on them. So it feels more like it was drawn and it's part of the animation style of Toontown. Uh, so let's just hope it stays that way. Maybe they found better material that doesn't um, mm. fade like the foam ones from before. So I have hope and I, I really like it. I think it looks cute. And uh, another vibe that I got from the pictures and I'm also hearing from other fans is that it feels more like a tune downtown or tune city now with the new stuff versus a tune town. So it's more like, mm. you know, like a mini New York City, like it has its like Central Park and this and that and this and that okay. versus just like a little town. And I guess that's a good thing. Like it's almost like an upgrade and more people live there and there's probably more action in the tune world. So they needed to. You know what could also upgrade. be adding to that feel? Is that it was hella crowded for reopening. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was, Toontown is more popping off than it's ever been Packed. right now. <laughs> Packed. And, oh gosh, <laughs> opening day stuff is funny too because um, I make fun of, of the other Disneyholics, but I do all the same things. But seeing so many grown, <laughs> grown Disney fans get 
so excited to ride the Chris, uh, Chris, what's it called? Chippendales gadget. Oh, right. I'm like, come on. Like, that is not an e-ticket. I don't think it's even it's an original not new ride. either. Yeah. And I don't think that, I think it's like an off-the-shelf one, too. They just yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> And it's so short, but I get it. When you're in, when you're there, opening day, and all the fandom, it's probably fun to, to, to lean into the craziness. Sure, um, oh, you could give that to them. <laughs> I'll give it to them. <laughs> there are some new characters. My favorite one that debuted in Toontown is Pete. So cool. There's a walk around character Pete now that you can meet and greet. And he belongs there. He needs to be with them. He was part of the OG Steamboat Willie cartoon. So it's nice to see him get some love. I don't know. He's not completely a villain. He's just kind of like somewhere in between. So it's nice to have him. I mean, we have the evil queen wandering around all the time. So why not? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I think, you know, after seeing all of the coverage of the new Toontown, I really came to the conclusion that I just have to see it in real life. So I'm excited to go there in April and then I'll have a different take on it. Maybe if I see it in person, I also have to remember that we never really spent too much time back there. So if, and if a lot of it ends up being mostly for kids and strollers, it's not taking too much away from me. So fine, I guess. Fine. Fine. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the grass is probably my biggest pet peeve there. The biggest thing that I think is off. Was there a big grass area in the very back of Toontown also, isn't there? By where the treehouse used to be? Yeah. So there's like two big picnic areas. There just, is. Just like they, a lot. They call it like this quiet nook in the back of the thing where, where Chippendales used to be. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I did see a lot of really cool character interactions going on. Like uh, they just seemed really involved in like playing with the kids. It wasn't just like them walking through and waving and going to like sign autographs or take pictures it was like they're actually like i saw one of goofy doing like hopscotch or something and i'm like this is super cute that like that's cute. unique to toontown for sure i really like that um and then i have to mention one other thing there is a cool easter egg did you see it i can't wait to see it in person it's on the hills that you're Walt's talking about barn is it Walt's bar? I'm literally looking at a picture of it right now, but no, I didn't know about that. So cool. Okay, so this is in that hills backdrop, so we got to go find it. Yep, it's from Marceline, so it gets in some little Walt tribute also, which is really nice. And apparently, there's all another Easter egg, an old windmill shadow of it in the oh yeah, the old... and it's supposed to be the same one that mill? was used to test the multiplane animation camera. So oh, there's a little wow. there. And I think that's what's Silly fun symphonies. about when we go in person together is I'm sure there's tons of details in this yeah. place, right? So that I love that Easter eggs are so like trendy right yeah. now for everything. <laughs> so I'm like, let's go find them all. I'm so excited. And you already checked out the new ride, but I'm excited to see the queue because you said it's almost as good as the ride itself. It's like a Mickey. Oh my god, it's museum, so good. Right? I love it. Yep. I want to go see that. Very cool. Well, we took a trip down a lot of history today. We went to the Disney 100 exhibit in Philadelphia. If you guys, again, get to experience it, please let me know what you thought, if you felt the same way as me. Um, Hopefully, I've talked a couple people into going. (laughs) It's exciting and really cool. Um, And then we went to Toontown, which just opened, and we went down the history of Toontown and took a peek at what it looks like today. 
Toontown, here we come. We're going to be there in April and can see it in its full glory. Thank you, yes. everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed episode 130 of the Disneyholic Show. Follow us on social media at the Disneyholics. And if you want to get in touch, send us a message on Instagram or email us at fanmail at the Disneyholics.com. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>